You've probably heard of Solo Stove, a company that does almost half a billion dollars annually and does ads with people like Snoop Dogg and more. Now, today we're going to talk to one of the heads of their Amazon business to see what strategies that any Helium 10 user has access to that help them increase to this level. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hey, what's up everybody? Kevin King here. You know, one of the number one questions I get is how can you connect to me? How can I, Kevin, get some advice or speak with you or, or learn more from you? The best way is with Helium 10 Elite. If you go to h10.me forward slash elite, you can get all the information and sign up for Helium 10 Elite. Every month I lead tra advanced training where I do seven ninja hacks. We also have uh, live masterminds and uh, every single week. One of those weeks I jump on for a couple hours and we, we talk shop, we talk business, do in-person events. Helium 10 Elite is where you want to be. It's only $99 extra on your Helium 10 membership. It's h10h10.me.me forward slash elite. Go check it out and I hope to see you there. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted and unrehearsed, organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And again, I am here on the other side of the world here in Frankfurt, Germany, and got to link up with somebody I've known virtually for a while, but now got to meet in person, Alvaro from Solo Silva. Alvaro, how's it going? Good, Brad. Thanks for having me. It's now, good to be here. Your accent is not a typical Swiss accent. I know you live in uh, Switzerland. Where, so where were you born yeah. and raised? Let's talk about <laughs> you, the person, first of all. Yeah, so I'm originally from Lima, Peru, my parents, but I grew up in Washington, D.C., which is why you, you hear the accent. So just outside of D.C., you know, finished secondary school, uh, started my undergrad in Utah, and uh, took a two-year break uh, during that undergrad, moved around Mexico, different parts of the States, um, for an LDS mission at the time. And then uh, right after I got back and got into my undergrad, moved to Spain. Um, that's where I met my, my wife, who is a uh, Swiss German. And that's what really brought us to Southern Germany. This, this is why you hear an American accent. There you go. So how long uh, have you been in Europe now? That was in 2014. So it's been, it's crazy to think it's been a decade. Yeah, but it's been a decade, a decade exactly this wow, month. Wow. Yeah, so it's, where did you go to university? Uh, Utah State. Utah State. North, yeah. Aggies. Right. Correct. Oh, I yeah, got it. Oh, go. yeah. yes, man. I, I, I always try and yeah. like test myself. Right. It's like uh, randomly in a very cold part of Utah. It's the yeah. coldest part of Utah right on the border with Idaho, but it's a pretty big undergrad campus, about 25,000 students. Someone keep me honest. Okay. Um, but the international programs there are amazing. What, what do you um, study uh, when you're there? So I say international studies, uh, really an, on a trajectory to work for the State Department um, at the time. And I had already met my wife prior to finishing my undergrad. And so when I finished a foreign service exam right after my undergrad, uh, she had gotten a gig in Basel. Uh, she works in the biotech pharmacy industry okay. and Basel is mostly known for the pharma industry. And I, I took a job at the time in e-com through some friends in my network and the rest is history, dude. Yeah. What, 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 so when did you get into e-com? 2016. 2016. And so what, what part of e-com was that? Was that Amazon or was that? Specifically, yeah, I was working through an agency at the time that was helping North American brands expand on Amazon generally. And I was the first European hire at the time to bring brands into Europe. And that's really, we were able to successfully scale certain clients. And uh, from there, moved around through other European companies, brought me into Luxembourg, worked back in between Germany and Switzerland for a few years. And been at Solo Stove now for 
uh, almost four years. Okay. It's great as I think. Yeah. All right. So that, that's uh, Alvaro's background. Let's talk about solo stuff. A lot of this is a household name. I, I've had all kinds of cool companies. Like I, <laughs> I just interviewed somebody from, from Lego uh, here and now we Very got cool. solo. Stove. Cool. So yeah. for those who don't know about solo stuff, what's the background of solo stuff, the company? Yeah. So, you know, solo stuff is a business. Um, of course we're in the consumer product goods industry, but like our whole goal as a brand and as a business is to help our customers connect with their loved ones and connect with the outdoors. So I'll kind of get back to that later if we go in detail, but um, the organization itself, um, two brothers founded the brand in 2010. Um, as you see my t-shirt here, I'm like repping well, the company. Um, and really what they were looking, they were both entrepreneurs. Uh, they're both uh, Chinese Canadian origin. Um, so both very familiar with the uh, supply chain aspects in China. Uh, but of course, growing up in Canada, I saw many opportunities in terms of producing things in China and bringing it over uh, with healthy profits in the Western market. Uh, so these two brothers were just looking for ways to find freedom from their day-to-day -day jobs where both were working at the time, um, some pretty strenuous jobs. Um, so they found a space. Um, sorry, I'm giving a lot of context no, here, I but like I think it. it's important to understand. Um, as they were iterating different product lines, they created this ingenious, uh, what was this mini, now known as the light, but it was the original, just only solo stove. Um, and it was really a camp stove designed to be able to uh, light a little camp stove within 90 seconds from twigs to a burning fire that you could cook with, uh, with just a stainless steel concept. And so that same design and engineering is ultimately what ended up uh, being optimized into, grow, uh, I almost spoke German there, Grossa, uh, <laughs> into uh, bigger camp stoves uh, from the light. And then uh, back in 2018, uh, we ran a Kickstarter um, that introduced the bonfire range. And that's really what helped uh, accelerate our growth and our momentum as a brand. Uh, but originally started from two brothers wanting to just have freedom in their lives to create products that create good moments that lead to lasting memories. And now here we are as a publicly traded business. Uh, Public company having Snoop Dogg. Right. And maybe you guys, some of you guys saw the, the <laughs> ad campaign. Like, I'm going smokeless. <laughs> yeah. He did go smokeless. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty yeah. cool. Um, now, publicly traded company i know like uh i think you guys had published like in 2022 you've done over like 400 million uh across all platforms were right. you up last year down last year 2023 yeah so from a marketplace perspective we were up uh which we felt really grateful obviously last year 23 was really interesting uh years we're kind of um, pretty much all brands in our sector are reconciling like post-pandemic trends um so as a business um overall we were pretty flat healthy um, cash-wise and profit-wise, very strong. Marketplace and international saw tremendous growth, uh, which uh, we can talk about this in detail, but I view our partnership with Helium 10 as a core uh, variable to that consistent performance, um, really helping us understand where the market at scale really is and how we can continue to sh uh, take part of that market share that we have and grow it. Um, so from a marketplace perspective, Amazon specifically USA was, was up and Amazon Global was up significantly year over year. What percentage, you know, once you get to a certain level, and this is similar to what I talked about Silas, who formerly from Lego is, is like what percentage is from brand search? And then what percentage would you say is just coming from people typing in, you know, smokeless barbecue pit or something, right. or, you know, ra random keywords? It's a great question. And actually, you know, it ties directly into what we can do within Helium 10 and tech stack you guys simplify. But from what we've seen both within the search query performance on brand analytics and seller central and from the um, I believe it's Frankenstein or Cerebro, remind me, mm -hmm. where we can find a search volume. Cerebro, yep. Yep. Um, we see that 
the solo stove branded searches is almost three times bigger than smokeless fire pit. Wow. Which is, wow. which is unique Crazy. because there's not a lot of brands that can pretty much be synonymous to an entire market. I mean, yeah. Lego, of course, yeah. I mean, Lego is that's about brand, That's, a, that's right, one yeah. of the only right. examples where right. it's like, uh, I don't right. know what you would skate, toy bricks. Right. Uh, Kleenex, I guess. Yeah, Kleenex, yeah, one, right? good one. Uh -huh. So we, we've been really grateful that we can drive that. Obviously in the US, Germany, Canada, UK, Amazon is definitely, um, if not the biggest, one of the biggest uh, search engine platforms for consumers looking for a product or looking into a product. So naturally, um, the way we have our omni-channel, um, you know, sales channels, I should say, set up, we leverage Amazon as both, of course, a place where we can drive tremendous growth and profit, but also a place where we need to defend the brand. Um, so I think from a from a percentage perspective, all over half of our sales are come from branded search, um, which is really a strong attribution to our entire brand and marketing team, and of course, product development team. Um, uh, we can go into detail in this podcast however you wish, but for us, a marketplace that's really critical is how are we defending the brand? How are we displaying the brand? How is our content? What's that consumer experience like? And how are we defending the traffic that's looking for us so we're not losing them uh, in that funnel? Okay. It's a critical component of our strategy. Interesting. I definitely want to get into some specific strategies, but one just general question I mean, I'm curious about is, from what I understand, you know, Solo Stove in, in the in the States has been kind of like a household name for a while. Right. You're a little bit newer here in Europe. Right. What was your expansion strategy? Like did Amazon uh, play a big role in trying to get your brand right. out here or was it a lot of just, uh, you know, traditional marketing? Yeah. So we officially, so I was actually the first European hire, fun fact uh, for solo. So back in uh very end of 2020 going into 2021, um, originally brought on as a director of marketplaces globally. First for Solo, this is pre-acquisition of other brands, pre-IPO. Um, so then took that role as we acquire new brands, right? Or shout out to Oru Kayak, Isle, uh, Chubby Shorts. Um, so it was really, really interesting experience. And then that fall, 2021, is when we launched direct to consumer. Now, we had a little bit of a head start. We had some great uh, distribution partners, some that we still work with very closely with today, um, that we had some organic search. And so really, from the circumstance and the car that we were played, that really helped us define specifically in Europe, the way we're going to market is like where to put our, our focus in terms of marketing spend and our focus in terms of channels, like where we're actually going to sell. Um, so we immediately know, immediately noticed that in Europe specifically, uh, Northern Europe, um, to be most specific, right between the UK, the Nordics, Benelux, the Dach region, right? Germany, Austria, Switzerland. Uh, we knew that would be our focus. So that definitely helped us define where our headquarter would be, which is today in Rotterdam. Um, that was extremely critical. Make sure we, uh, we staff that um, effectively. For us, uh, consumer obsession is our fundamental, right? We want to make sure customers have a great experience and that logistically, uh, which we own our distribution out of Rotterdam, we own all of our logistics. That's an extremely critical component. Um, so in terms of like the actual launch, right, the setup is critical, understanding which market we're going to play in. I mean, these were, these were things that were important to set up, but once actually going live to market, uh, we're a digitally native brand. So when we went live to market, it was an omni-channel mix uh, digitally, meaning that we focused, hyper-focused on our website and across uh, Amazon Pan Europe. And, um, you know, we, we did more our first full year being live direct to consumer than it took Solo Stove 10 years to do domestically. Wow. Wow. So it was, it was, I would say 
obviously, and this is with the same profit constraints that we have in the U.S. Uh, obviously, as a publicly traded business, we have a responsibility to shareholders, not only to drive top line, but also to drive bottom line. Um, so we're really, really proud of that story. And we've just seen year over year uh, growth sustaining those same top and bottom line figures uh, that I'm alluding to. Awesome. Awesome. All right, let's get back into some specific strategies you, you alluded to, like kind of like brand defense and putting a moat around your brand. And and yes, of course, when you when you're uh, that size of a company like you guys are, it's it's important. But even you know smaller sellers, once they're building up their brand, you know there's going to be brand search, and it might not be at the scale of a solo stove or Lego, but they right. would have to follow the same principles as kind of like you have. So, what has been your strategy? I know, like you know. Helium 10, maybe Atomic and some other tools, right. you know, talk about that a little bit, but, but what, what's your strategy at protecting your brand? One of the most profound conversations I remember the last three years working with solo stove and solo brands is a conversation I had with, um, our chief digital officer at the time, who's also one of the founders at Chubby's, um, Tom Montgomery, who, uh, like, what an incredible experience working under his wing, um, uh, for over a year. We were talking one day about like specific tactics operating on Amazon. And one of those things actually was brand registry. And I was going into detail and he, uh, for lack of better terms or, or articulating this, he just kind of stopped me and said, Hey, Alvaro, this is a fundamental. We don't need to go into detail here. So when it comes to like your defense on Amazon, like make sure that the resources Amazon provides you to defend your brand, be it like the most fundamental basics being like, Hey, get brand registered. Make sure it's basically like an Amazon trademark, right? Or, or is it, maybe it's a transparency program, right? If you're dealing with counterfeits or unauthorized resellers, uh, maybe it's Project Zero, which is a more robust element of transparency, I'd say. Uh, make those fundamentals in your business. I would say that's, that's an extremely critical component. Like make the resources that Amazon has to give to you, now what Walmart's providing right through their seller platform, make those brand resources to defend your brand a fundamental and exhaust them, right? If you're a bigger business and you need to make that cross- I'd say cross department focus initiative, like with your legal team or your finance team or your CTO do so, but just make it a fundamental, like don't, don't postpone any resource you have through brand registry. Okay. Hope that kind of answers. Yeah, the question. absolutely. Yeah. So, so that definitely important. And again, you don't need to be a humongous seller. Uh, I, I would say brand new seller. Why not start with brand registry? You know, you know, if, if you're just an arbitrage right. seller or something, of course, yeah, you, you know, right. you don't even right. have, we have to worry about that, but everybody should, should be protecting their brand. Um, what about on the kind of like listing optimization, keyword strategy, advertising strategy, as far as protecting your brand in that sense now? Yeah. I mean, indexing is critical. You know, as I alluded to earlier, we have a lot more search for solo stove than someone who's probably looking for a product that we sell, right? Similar so our core product, I'd say. Um, but as far as like what we do to defend a brand through the listing, going again, back to the principle of fundamentals, um, we have hundreds and thousands of assets. So this to any brand that's serious about selling on marketplace where, I mean, look, cost of acquisition is more expensive. There's more sellers, there's more listings. You need to make sure that your content is rich, right? So for us where, um, you know, anyone can buy like a random fire pit from Walmart or from Target for 50 bucks, a hundred bucks, you know, why are they going to spend three, four, five times more on a solo so fire pit? Um, and it's because we want to evoke that emotion of creating good moments. And so for us, part of a defense strategy is, hey, is the content, the copy, your A plus for Amazon specifically, is it evoking that emotion that you want to be associated to your brand? Mm -hmm. Right. For us, it's, of course, we're selling fire pits. 
but the end to all these means is can we evoke the emotion on that session that a customer or potential customer is having with our brand, showing that they can create good moments with the brand, I think is a really critical component of our brand and that defense strategy from a listing perspective. Excellent. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that is something that smaller sellers sometimes think they don't have to worry about. But, you know, people people look at that stuff, you know, right, and, right. and in a cookie cutter world where maybe there's 15 people doing the same thing, similar prices, that's the kind of stuff that sets you apart and makes you right. makes you uh, memorable. What kind of advertising do you guys, you know, focus on? Do you just do pretty much everything that Amazon provides, whether it's sponsored band, dis uh, display, yeah. DSP, et cetera? That's a great question. You know, we actually just had some pretty high level folks at Amazon in our offices last week uh, in Grapevine. I was really grateful for that experience because we actually had some key members from the Amazon ads team uh, come into the office and, and really give us insights into some of the new uh, products that Amazon ads is developing. And so for us, definitely it's part of a strategy broadly is to maximize the way we uh, utilize resources that Amazon has to offer. Um, but as far as like the f going back to like the ad console and what we're executing highly and yeah, it's across the board, right? We obviously see best efficiency across sponsored product, right? And then the way we define that strategy, top to bottom, the funnel is critical, right? Defensive to offensive. And we carry similar strategies across sponsored brand, sponsored display. And now we're getting to a point as a business where, um, I mean, you'll, you'll hear high level uh, team members from Solo Stove speak about this over this coming year, but really trying to blur um, our performance digitally, right? Amazon is developing some products that is going to affect more positively performance outside of Amazon. And we want to take part of that, right, through AMC or DSP. So that's going to be a really critical component is leveraging the experience we have from the ad console, right, through the, the three core uh, campaign types that we could have run uh, into new products that they're, they're developing and really blur both performance and our operations behind it with amazing talent that we have in-house that have historically been focused on like paid social and Google and trying to blur that operation, if that kind of makes sense. For the uh, on Amazon advertising, how does your team leverage uh, Helium 10 Atomic? You know, the, the biggest, biggest benefit that we've seen with Atomic specifically is helping streamline extremely time-consuming things. I mean, we're highly tactical, highly experienced and very, very detailed in terms of the, the campaigns and the way we're optimizing. I mean, uh, you probably look at our account, we have thousands of campaigns just in the US alone. And then you can do the multiples of that because we, we put similar efforts across all of our channels on Amazon and we're in 15 Amazon stores, a little bit under, um, once you start to consider international. Um, so what Atomic has done really, um, I can speak transparently with you here in person is helping us streamline extremely time consuming tasks bulk changes, bulk edits in a way that's not just to get it done mm -hmm. to save time, but in a way that's insightful and data driven Yeah, um, to right, keep I'll, it simple. Um, taking a step back, you just mentioned all the different marketplaces you sell in. If you were to say, you know, just gross revenue, top five, you know, I, safe to say us number one, Correct. would it be Germany? Number two, UK. It's really interesting. Uh, um, on Amazon, it, it's similar performance uh, that we see between UK and Germany. Okay. It's funny because off Amazon, um, our British business is more material. Huh. Um, so it speaks a little bit to the power of, I think, of Amazon Germany or maybe even the preference of consumer behavior. Maybe Germans just, um, again, we need to take a deeper dive in this, but maybe our German customers just prefer to shop on Amazon Germany for whatever their reason is. Uh, I'll come back to your answer, but an important fundamental as a brand is we want to meet our customer where they want to be met. 
Sure. That's why Omnichannel is so critical. Um, but as far as Amazon, yeah, definitely the top four is Germany, UK, after the US, Canada okay. oh, is up there. And then um, in the rest of Europe, uh, between France, yeah, Italy, Spain, and Holland, yeah, I think you have a pretty, um, pretty much flat performance competing for that fifth spot. Um, we most definitely can scale our performance in Japan and Australia just from the data mm -hmm. we can see in terms of search volume for our brand. But obviously, uh, Japan and Australia aren't necessarily right next to Europe, so yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it requires a bit more effort logistically. Okay. But yeah, that rounds up the top five. Hope that helps. Yeah, yeah. What What about any non Amazon marketplaces that you guys are doing well in, like you know, be it Walmart or TikTok right. Shop or? Yeah. It's something. a great question. Um, you know, domestically, a hundred percent. Walmart's been a really great partner of ours. Obviously, they, as a business, have been hyper-focused on developing um, this marketplace that can, over time, become a pure competitor to Amazon. At the moment, from my understanding, at a macro level, it's still you know, years away from really competing with Amazon. Um, but they've been great partners in terms of giving us the human element and time and attention and placements that I think a brand like ours deserves, considering how much branded search goes into their marketplace. Um, so they've, that partnership with Walmart, it's been really important for us. Again, going back to the notion of meeting customers where they want to be met, we've, we've found that there's a lot of customers <laughs> that want to be met there. And so we're excited and eager to double down in the performance on Walmart marketplace. And, and yeah, man, look, I'm, I'm based in Basel. One of my favorite things about living in Basel, it's, it's on the border of Germany, France, and Switzerland. And so I have firsthand daily, I can see how fragmented consumer behavior is across those three countries. And so in Europe, way more nuance in terms of our marketplace approach. It's obviously the Amazon Panty, Panty U is critical, but I mean, we've got other really important sales channels to us, such as Bowl, right out of Netherlands yeah, and yeah. Belgium. Um, Allegro, which we, we heard a little bit about today in Poland. Uh, Manor in Switzerland. Galaxis is something on our radar. Uh, so a few other marketplaces, just because it's so much, so much more fragmented that are critical for us. Do anything in Korea? Yeah. At the moment, no, but we do have a great partner in Korea and we do have some pretty strong performance, not, not necessarily through marketplace, but there's gotta be something with some Korean barbecue, a product you have. I mean, Korean barbecue oh, is so yeah. popular worldwide. As, yeah. You know, there's gotta be something you can do there. Yeah. I know that for sure there, I mean, if you guys ever want to see like amazing engineering around a solo stove, and I hope, I don't know if some of your audience, if they're looking at solo stove, the, the aesthetics of the product is so simple. It's a beautiful product. But some of the things we see engineered around the solo sale out of Japan and Korea and China, not by our team, is incredible. So I owe them a lot of props in terms of like giving us definitely some uh, inspiration. But it's uh, if you make an in-house Korean barbecue table or device, I would be your first customer. <laughs> you know, because like you know, like what I do in my house, you know, none of us are Korean, but like I, I've been eating Korean food my whole life, and I just will only watch Korean TV and everything. But you know, I just got like this burner with a with a little tank of whatever it is, yeah, yeah. and and it's not efficient. Smoke like you know everywhere. I got to open up all the windows, yeah. and I got to you know replace. It, it's like not, there's got to be a better way, and I think you guys would be the ones to uh yeah to do it. So let, let me let me beta don't, test. Don't, uh, don't that. challenge us, man. We're <laughs> we're at one of the, a key pillar of ours is getting indoors. You know, with some of our awesome core lines. We mentioned earlier how you, you know, did something with Snoop Dogg. You know, that now that's something that no, not not, you know, brand new sellers or, or even million dollar sellers, you know, should be considering somebody of that stature. But at what point should an Amazon seller start reaching out to maybe micro influencers or, or just, you know, people people to promote their product? Yeah, look, it's a much different answer today than it was even 
two years ago. Um, like if you're coming on Amazon or you're like a newer brand on Amazon and you don't have a strategy to develop your brand off Amazon, um, you're going to lose, you're going to lose. And it's going to maybe, maybe right now you're on a, on a wave and a trend that feels good, but I promise you the more you can flatten your reach, um, as a brand holistically, the better you're going to be. And in this case, like the best example is we've been able to grow successfully on Amazon uh, with further investments off Amazon by driving more organic search because Amazon is a beast, right? It's a, it's a massive search platform. So the more you can drive awareness off Amazon, you're still going to be technically driving awareness into Amazon. So I would, I would say today, when you consider the basics of, you know, increased competition, increased cost, you know, then you have some macroeconomic factors to implement in terms of how consumers feel about spending, you know, their own hard-earned funds into brands that maybe they've never heard of. Um, it's a lot more nuanced today and more, a lot more difficult. So you want to make sure you, you, you're definitely focused on developing a brand where consumers can not only connect, but have awareness about what your brand is um, so they can make a more, yeah, you know, feed the funnel earlier and, and, and get to that bottom much earlier than, than anticipated. Because Amazon, of course, is the bottom of the funnel sure, when sure. it comes to the sales channel. Like people are ready to shop if they're on Amazon. So yeah, I would just strongly recommend like make sure you're like, invest as much time when it comes to branding off Amazon as you do on Amazon. All right. Before we get into your, your final strategy of the day, just a couple somewhat off related topics. But first of all, if, if you guys want to find out more uh, or find, you know, about their products, you know, just type in solo stove literally to any search engine or on Amazon or Walmart or anywhere. Um, if people just want to find you on the interwebs out there, is LinkedIn a yeah, good yeah, place to follow what you do? Yeah. LinkedIn is great. Um, pretty private on social media, unless mm -hmm. you're part of our online community. Uh, it's my, uh, my German wife has taught me well in terms of privacy. Um, but LinkedIn is a great platform. If you just look up, there's only one Alvaro. Alvaro is a very Spanish name, mm -hmm. very difficult to Germanize or Anglicize. So if you just look up Alvaro Lopez, uh, you'll find me for solo stove. Um, I think it's the best way. Okay, cool. Random question. Why in Peruvian restaurants is yeah. the chicken so good? Man, it's a great question. It's definitely a combination of the like. You got some secret spice that y'all are using, right. or what's well, going on? <laughs> well, actually, it's funny because I was like, in, I was in Utah recently, and I know the owner of one of the the biggest Peruvian chicken chain in Utah called uh, Red Fuego. If anyone's ever in Salt Lake City, they've got a couple chains around Provo, Salt Lake City, and he invested like his core investment was the kitchen. Like, he imported it from Lima. Wow. Yeah. So I think that's a core component, and then of course you get into the quality of the chicken. I'm pretty pro animal rights here. So make sure that chicken's well taken care of. It's yeah, gotta yeah. be a healthy chicken that you're uh, going to be putting into your diet. And then just the seasoning. I mean, Peru is like, I'm very biased here, but it's definitely top five culinary uh, countries. I think in the planet because of our mix, man, it's a great balance between the indigenous ingredients mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and culture from the Incas and beyond that, the Spanish, Italian immigrants, Japanese, Chinese immigrants that came through the 19th century. And just made a perfect blend of spices and herbs. And that's what goes into the marinade of the chicken, man. So those three Such things, good man. stuff, man. When I was living in LA, I would always go, I forgot it was something Inca was the name of the uh, restaurant. Oh my goodness. So good. Yeah. Um, favorite helium 10 tool. That's very difficult. Yeah. I mean, to be transparent, it's a very difficult answer. I want to say the one, I'm just going to completely correlate tool to success. And I think the way we write our copy has been critical, right? Cause we do index very specific things that we know have high search volume on Amazon that don't necessarily appear on our website. So I'd say Frankenstein has been very critical in terms of 
um, not only providing a good copy for a customer, but also getting keywords that have, yeah. you know, have added new, uh, new customers that would have never found us anyway. Awesome. And then if you were to have a wish list, like maybe something that Helium 10 doesn't do or a feature or a filter or anything, what would you tell me? Because I, that, that's my goal this year is trying to get yeah, all the features we don't have yet. Yeah, that's a great question. I know you were talking earlier, you're going to spend more time in Europe. I think, I think for serious brands that have, I mean, you see now like the proliferation of great brands that are focused on Amazon. Well, a lot of these brands are going to have global reach. So I think the more resources you can offer to better localize and translate within Helium 10, I think um, there's a massive market for that. The more you can order, maybe it's something with chat GPT, but something to translate and effectively localize would be critical. Got it. Got it. All right. Uh, something I asked the guest is like, give a 30 or 60 second tip strategy could be about anything uh, in e-commerce or non-e-commerce could be about anything. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, let me put my consulting hat on, which I've been a brand operator for the last few years. So just focus on actioning. I think one of the most, again, going back to lessons I've had from executive leads at Solo Stove, one of the most important things I took away from um, our, our former CEO, John Maris, he said he'd rather have me focus on doing twice the amount of things half as good than half the amount mm. of things really good. And that really, to be transparent, that philosophy of just iterating different initiatives, obviously targeted initiatives that can drive business, drive top and bottom line, has been really critical um, in terms of finding out what sticks, doubling down on those, and then the ones that don't work quickly offloading them have been really good. So I think just purposefully actioning items that's going to grow your business is, is extremely critical. You need to be, if you're not waking up every Monday, if your business is good and you're not waking up the beginning of the week obsessed about how to double down on that growth, you're on a track to lose. And if you're losing and you're not obsessed about how to offset those losses, then you're going to lose even more. <laughs> All right. Well, Alvaro, thank you so much for co coming on here. It's been great to meet you in person and, and thank you for too. taking the time out and yeah, wish man. you and the solo so the best of success. Maybe we'll have you back on the show next year and see what you guys are doing. Then. Yeah. Thanks, Brad. Awesome. Appreciate it, dude.